Welcome to Theodisc, a WTC podcast where we have accessible theological discussions that hopefully show the relevance of theology to our daily lives. My name is Kenny, and on this episode, I'll be talking to Danny Hampson. Danny and his family live and minister in Ibiza as part of 24-7 Prayer, and he is also a master's student with WTC. In our conversation, we talked about the real Ibiza, the necessity of continual prayer for our awareness of God's kingdom at work, how theological awareness impacts day-to-day ministry, and also Danny's MA dissertation on a Trinitarian perspective on peace. I hope you enjoy it, and if you have any questions or comments, please do get in touch at podcast at wtctheology.org.uk. Well, Danny, thank you for being on the Theodis podcast with me. It's great to have you with you. Yeah, it's very great to be here. And we're going to talk today about some of the work that you do with 24-7 and also the fact that you are a WTC student and how maybe some of those things have, have interacted. Um, but before we get into that, um, every first-time guest gets subjected to three questions because we want to know you. No, that's fair enough. Yeah? Yeah. So um, these are questions about things that you return to. Sure. So what are some of your, your comforts or, or favorite things? Three categories. Favorite book, a favorite meal or food, and a favorite place or things that you keep returning to. So let's go with the first one. So a book that you return to. To be honest, it would probably be any book by any WTC member of staff, uh, past, present, or future. <laughs> oh man, you're really can I have that? You're really greasing the wheel. Is that here. is that too soon? <laughs> no, but really. Okay, um, Joseph had a catch-22. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, a favourite food or meal? Favourite food would be bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs on its own, bacon and eggs and avocado, bacon and egg sandwich. But yeah, that's the winning combo for me. Good combo. Now, can I recommend, if you haven't tried it already, the bacon, the egg and a slice of haggis oh, on a sandwich? Days. Oh, my days. Go for it. You'll okay. like it. Yeah, Trust you. I will do. I'll try it. Okay, and finally, a place that you return to. Um, along the port from our apartment in Ibiza, um, there's a quieter area where uh, there aren't too many boats. It's by a lighthouse and you can sort of sit in the, uh, on one of the walls and look out to, to the sea. And that's good for me uh, emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, that's a, that's a go-to place when I need to clear my head and pray. And Brilliant. Cool. Now we know you. Yeah, that's, you that's all there is to know. <laughs> well, let's talk about um, the work that you do with 24-7. So you've already alluded to it there. You live in Ibiza. You're ministering out there. Now, when a lot of people hear Ibiza, they have this whole concept in mind of holiday that you go to, kind of a bit wild, party for a couple of weeks, come back home, it's all good. So how did, you, I'd like to know kind of how you ended up in Ibiza and more importantly, what's the picture, or what's the Ibiza that you have experienced uh, as you've been out there? Okay, yeah, it's absolutely true that there's a certain stereotype of Ibiza um, and actually the, the sort of party side of it 
uh, is in, in different places around the island. There's particularly an, an area for the 18 to 30s or targeting the 18 to 30s demographic. And that's sort of the, the bars and the cheap drinks. And that's the, the, the hedonism. And then there's obviously the clubbing side of it. But all these big clubs are sort of dotted around uh, certainly the south part of the island. There, there aren't really uh, too many of the big clubs that are actually in towns. Um, yeah, it's it is an an island of excess, definitely, um, in terms of drinking and drugs and all those kinds of things that go through it. But it's got a, a hippie culture. It's got a, a live music culture away from sort of dance music. Um, it is being pushed more and more towards sort of family holidays. And then there's still there's still a local Ibithenk community um, which speaks. If you think, you know, a, a dialect of sort of a version of Catalan, because um, the, the Balearic Islands are Catalan. So it's got so many different faces, and um, yeah, it's a it's a melting pot. It's a beautiful melting pot. So, so how did you end up living there? Um, my wife and I had always imagined we'd uh, be uh, on mission, if you like, uh, abroad at some point, and we actually knew the couple who were leading Sanan. 24-7 and Sanan is sort of the, the work there was looking after guys that have had too much to drink sorry people who've had too much to drink um, or taken too many drugs or got into difficult situations um, and sort of offering prayer offering practical support um, back to finding their way back to the hotel or to medical care and stuff like that um, and actually became and has become such a an invaluable presence over that side of the island uh, that the bar owners and club owners will often call 24/7 before they call the police or the ambulances and things like that. So, you know, really sort of changing the atmosphere there. But that was based on years and years of just sort of praying and and sort of working out the spiritual landscape and what God was doing over that side of the island. And from early on, there had been a feeling that there would it would be great to have. A sort of Christian presence didn't necessarily have to be 24-7, but it has ended up being, not that we're the only ones over the other side of the island, but a presence over in Ibiza Tang, which is the largest town, it's the capital, um, and there's a uh, an ostracised, persecuted, looked down on Roma Gypsy community, and... So our initial invite was, well, why don't you come and be the people just sort of doing the the praying and walking around and assessing and discerning and praying and praying and praying over this side of the island and um from from that first conversation that we had with our friends uh through discerning with the church through 24 7 prayer and the vision course there was just so much from god of promise provision so much provision pictures confirmation so we moved out to Ibiza at the start of 2014 having no idea what we were meant to do but being completely confident that we were going where God wanted us to go mm-hmm. and so you went out there and just we were speaking beforehand about you just began to pray yes well, yes and that actually is a hard sell sometimes for some churches for some uh, uh, well yeah it is and it's funny because it shouldn't be, but there was generally, um, not always, but there, there were at times a feeling of, okay, praying and what else? Um, so, yeah, but our mandate was just to pray, to, yeah, yes, learn the local languages and definitely with regards to the Roma community, 
to research some of the cultural history and sort of look slightly more globally at the, the, the persecution history of, of the Roma. But essentially it was to pray because what we really wanted to guard against was running in, you know, as if we had all the answers, as if yeah. we were carrying um, Jesus. Jesus is following us in as we run in like these amazing pioneers. And it's kind of, you know, that's obviously a slightly extreme example, but you can see how you can sort of get carried away with our ideas. So the whole, the whole ethos of those first couple of years was, God, this is your will, this is your work. You've been, you were here first. What are you doing that we can join in with? Um, and kind of almost on a micro, day by day, week by week, teach us to pray. You know, who should we be praying for? And then, um, yeah, so it started with the Roma community over that side of the island, over in Ibiza town. And as we were going to prayer walk, we started to build up uh, a network of friends within the homeless community. And so started to support the homeless community from uh, one or two years in. I think that maybe it says something about our theology of prayer that we expect it to be kind of an add-on yeah. to what we do. Yeah. You guys were taking a an, an upside-down approach in terms of what, how most people might understand it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perhaps. And and I think um, it was uh, odd and uh, quite annoying. And and um, God was very gracious with this. Was for the first couple of years, we were we were adamant that when stuff started to happen, when we started getting involved more practically with things, that to not stop praying, you know, because prayer really was the, the 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 vehicle. Prayer was carrying everything. It was it was you know focus on Jesus. So we spent a couple of years reminding ourselves of this and then we started getting involved more and more with the Roma community and different church expressions and then helping out more and more with the homeless uh, friends and uh, stopped praying <laughs> despite years of saying we wouldn't so kind of it was bit by bit and it sort of seeped in to our life well or seeped out sorry yeah. of our life and then we, we realized sort of six months later oh flip uh, probably should be praying uh, because we just got caught up in the doing. Yeah. And the thing is, the doing can still look good. Mm -hmm. You know, it still looks like ministry stuff. It still looks like service. Yeah. But we had to reverse engineer a bit. Yeah. yeah. So as things did develop and you kind of find that place of prayer and the practical outworking of helping communities what are some of the things that you're involved with where did god lead you and um, you've already spoken about kind of the roma community there what does that look like on a, on a practical basis well with the roma community um it was interesting because we'd been praying for this particular area the most deprived area where the roma live and um alongside that there was a, a roma guy who who had lived in that area but didn't anymore and I kind of, kind of was in one of those rare groups as, as a Roma person with a, a stable full-time job and he'd really sort of committed his life to Christ and he had a big passion to go back into this area and kind of preach and 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 show Jesus love and he had a picture which he shared with somebody who is half Spanish or sorry half half everything half English and has been on the island for 200 years and um, uh, he, he had this dream of going back into Ibiza, going back into Sapenya, this area, but being carried by two people. Mm. And 
it was actually very easy. And this woman, who's a mutual friend of, of, of ours and, and Martial, said, I think I know who these two people are. They're Danny and Liddy, and you should meet them. And so we met up with him, started praying with him. And over the course of the years, there have been different expressions of worship and different um, expressions of church with the Roma community, not just in Serpenia, but, but some of the Roma who live outside of Serpenia as well. And in amongst some of the religiosity of the island because that's a it's a tough landscape in terms of that i mean there's a lot of territorialism there's a lot of sheep counting there have just been it's been wonderful to walk with some of these roma friends who uh, just want genuine encounters with god um, and that's what they're seeking and they and you you know we've seen some lives transformed some marriages transformed uh, and actually just getting to know roma people in general and there's so much stigma about them, but then you see the way that they respect their elders and the, the colour and the music and the honesty and openness that they operate in. There's so many godly characteristics to them as a community that, you know, we judge communities and people by, you know, what they're not, don't we? Um, and so God's taught us so much with that. So in the middle of all this, yeah. of God doing all of this stuff um, and you partnering with him on this island, um, you decide to study theology. Yeah. How did that come about? It was it was 24-7 mixed with uh, WTC, and I think there was a partnership that had just been started. And I think I'd probably toyed with the idea of studying theology um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But I think back then it would have been almost as a need to solidify my faith. I don't know if my faith was strong enough back you know I don't know um, I don't I don't think it was and I think so God's timing obviously perfect and then uh, there was a, an opportunity to study with WTC some not not through 24-7 but I suppose yeah through 24-7 and there was just again you know confirmation and, and, and provision and so I started the WTC journey maybe six years ago um, with a, a graduate diploma yeah so as you're as you're walking through that graduate diploma, you're you're doing this work. Um, how did you find um, how your theological study began to kind of overlap with some of the work you were doing? Were there things? Were there themes? Was there stuff that God was doing in the middle of that journey that was that was helpful to you? I think um, there was definitely a general and an overall, and that was. Um, just a, a reaffirming um, of God's presence, um, his faithfulness, his timing, his trustworthiness, his love for people. And I think the, some of the overlapping, particularly when I've looked at Jesus, you know, in, in the studies at, at WTC and really felt that Jesus is everywhere and Jesus' love is for everyone. You know, it, it is for the poor and the marginalised, but it's also for the rich on the super yachts. It's also for the Pharisees. It's for the decision makers in the town hall. And I think that, um, yeah, that, that sort of helped in, in, in just not judging. It, you know, even if I can't always love, just not judging, I think, yeah. 
And that, so talk to me about that. A little, let's kind of dig into that a little bit more because you're obviously coming into contact with loads of different kinds of people. Yeah. Um, in Ibiza. And I guess what I'm hearing you say through your studies is um, the exploration of who Jesus is and how Jesus treated people is it kind of opened up your your heart to a bit more, I don't know if grace is the right word, but a bit more openness to all the people that you're coming into contact with? Yeah, and I definitely think open up in terms of the the everybody-ness. The, um, I can't remember which wise person, but it probably was um, a member of WTC faculty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, who knows who, I can't remember who said it, but um, if you are drawing a line and you're making a decision of who's in or who's out, of you know the church or whatever, Jesus will be on the side of the people who are on the outside, and I think that kind of feeling, that sense that oh, Jesus is you know with everyone, um, it's yeah definitely increased um, grace. And when we do look at when I do look at sort of the the work that we do with the homeless, which has built up over the last six years, I know I've touched more on the, the, the Roma community side of things, but you have such a, a variety of homeless situations and I kind of, in terms of replicating Jesus, I just imagine that, you know, Jesus giving time with people and we've been so blessed that that's what we can do, you know, rather than that immediate, oh, do I give two euros or a sandwich or nothing, I can sit down and have 10, 15 minutes with people and then the same again in a couple of, you know, build build friendships with people so that the the they are actually friends. They're not just sort of people or a project, you know. So when we do a big meal on Christmas Day, we're not just handing out the food. We, we all eat together, you know. The, we all eat as one big kind of community and other people want to get involved who aren't homeless. They want to support as well. So we've been able to be a bit of a conduit as well. And I think, sorry, this is probably talking more about what we do rather than WTC or my overall theology, but I think I can just see um, Jesus sitting with people. And like to be able to try and model that is lush. Doesn't really answer a question, does it? <laughs> no, but I think... Um, part of what we talk about at WTC is yes, we're here for kind of rigorous academic study, but there's a sense of formation into the likeness of Christ. Yeah. So that when we walk out of those studies of looking at the person of Jesus, that we then begin to express that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a real life situation, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, just an awareness as well of the sort of the whole of the Godhead, the whole of the Trinity being involved in, in every aspect of, of God's work, you know. So when I was praying with, I was praying for a friend of mine um, a couple of years ago and, you know, he just got smacked in the face with the Holy Spirit, you know, just real spiritual experience, you know, and he was sort of saying, blimey, I've taken these drugs and this, I've never had a high like this, I've never had an experience like this. And, he, you know, he the Holy Spirit really, really was there and just overpowered this friend. And just the, the, the knowledge and, and the beautiful way in which that's, yes, that's the Holy Spirit, but it's the, Holy, it's the Spirit of Jesus, you know, and it's the Spirit of God the Father um, in that mission. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that without WTC. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's that, yeah, I guess sometimes, I think Freddie often talks about, um, Freddie Headley, who's yeah, yeah. A, a, a director of undergraduate studies, um, he talks about, it's not about getting all the answers, yeah. but it is about expanding your vocabulary yes. so we can speak about and recognize what God's doing. Have you had that experience of kind of that expansion of, of how to understand what God's doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, not all the words, not all the words that are used in WTC lectures, goodness me. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, just in terms of the biblical study stuff, in terms of the nature of Christ, in terms of church history stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, a bigger framework, a bigger framework to be able to understand some of the Christian experiences that I've personally had or known about and kind of some of the work that we do and some of the rationale behind it. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting that you, when we start to bring our, what we've experienced and you maybe look at the history of Christian spirituality, the history yeah. of the church, you suddenly realize, oh, wow. Yeah. People have been having these experiences for, it's not just me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The timelessness of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or even how some, some of the early church um, did put into practice this character of Christ and how they cared for people in the communities in which they were living, yeah. living as missionaries of the kingdom where they were at. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't think you need to, I'm, I definitely believe that you don't need to go overseas or be doing something that sounds missional to be a missionary. I, you know, we definitely all are. Um, so the application of sort of the intellectual, not grappling with, but understanding and exploring the Bible is, is for everyone, definitely. Now, it obviously was for you because you you did a graduate diploma. Yes. And then you came back. Yes. To do a master's. Yes. Brilliant. I know. I know. Actually, the 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 goal was always the master's, but. Um, I didn't have any theology beforehand, so I needed to do the grad dip to, to do the masters. But the, you know, even if the goal hadn't been the masters, I would have chosen to carry on to do it because the experience was so good. Yeah. So you wrote a dissertation. Yes. And you know, we have like kind of five minutes left in this conversation. So thankfully for you, you, yeah. you I won't be <laughs> grilling you on yeah. all of the intricacies of that. But maybe you can just sketch kind of what your idea was that you explored as that dissertation? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have my entire dissertation here and I'm happy to recite it all. <laughs> this has turned into an audio book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need somebody with a better voice to, to narrate it. Um, it's, it was uh, evaluating peace as uh, a fruit of the spirit, but evaluating a Trinitarian perspective, because this is something I'm kind of, as I mentioned, I'm sort of, really enjoying this idea of all of God being involved in all of God's work. So it came about really because I realized that I didn't really understand what peace was. I could have actually had as a working title for the first six months, what is peace? How do we define peace? Um, it's, the, it's the eggs in the prayer omelet for me. And it's the same for a lot of people, I, I think, well, not everybody necessarily, but, you know, a sort of job change or relationship or any so many different types of prayer you know even personal to myself i pray for peace 
And then I thought, what on earth? What what on earth is it? I mean, it's it's a fruit of the spirit. It's not listed as a spiritual gift, but Jesus does give it. But that giving is sort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So what when I when I'm praying for peace, not necessarily talking about the global stuff, but when I'm praying for peace, what am I actually praying for? What am I what what am I expecting or imagining? Um, and is that accurate? So that was really the the basis. So the whole thing was more. I mean, it wasn't a contention. It wasn't uh, an argument. It was an exploration. It was, I, it was a journey. Yeah, yeah. And and is there? This is a really unfair question, because but was there things that you discovered about, um, like you said, about peace that that kind of made sense to you when you begin to pray again now in a practical way for peace. Um, has there been some things that you've discovered about what peace is that's, that's made sense? Interestingly, off the bat, I mean, there's no biblical example of peace where it refers uniquely to inner tranquility. It's always, um, it might have an aspect, but it's always, you know, much more about, um, both in the Old and the New Testament, much more about wholeness of relationship with God and with others. So straight away, this internalizing of it, um, you know, it kind of, if you start with the external, if you start with God, if you start with um, sort of looking at the, the, the Trinity and the, their relationship as perfect peace and your posture is external, I want to participate in that. It's, it's almost polar opposite to this worldly, if I'm okay to say this sort of, you know, Zen style, look inside yourself, yeah. which is you know, obviously promoted a lot at the moment um so actually to start external with a posture of uh to god even if it's a prayer for my own peace the very act of asking god is initiating a conversation is is making it relational yeah. peace is very relational i love that idea of um when i'm you know first we look at the peace that we see in god's nature yeah yeah because so often we start with like you said we start with ourselves yeah here's my turmoil and i want it to stop yeah so god make it stop yeah but instead we look at the character of god and the wholeness and the the relationships within the trinity yeah and that speaks to how that peace might be worked out in our lives absolutely although i don't have all the answers because i'm not a wtc <laughs> Member of staff. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would object to that as well, um, and and I guess it's, you're right. It's not about um, it's not about discovering all the answers, but it is about kind of making those inquiries. Yeah, and I love how maybe we can come full circle to the work that you're doing. You went to that island to begin to pray for what God's work was in that island, and how could God bring wholeness yeah. to the community that you're walking into absolutely 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 but also we went with um this idea that naively that this these communities had needs um and god taught us to focus on the ways in which god blesses wow um so we had to be taught a lot yeah yeah and and maybe the way that god blesses it is is a your work on looking at peace i i wonder how as you go forward yes, yes. those things will those things will dovetail i hope so i hope so yeah yeah i think so. 
So anybody listening to this conversation just now who's maybe thinking about mm, should I, shouldn't I study theology, um, what would you say to them as an, as an encouragement? Um, I would say, yes, study, studying theology is brilliant, particularly at somewhere like WTC. It doesn't have to be, but it really you know, should be. Um, <laughs> uh, genuinely, if you can have uh, a way in which exploring intellectually and mentally is genuinely faith transforming. Um, it's spirit led. It's not just a woolly exercise. It, it, I know it's, it's, it could be easy and glib to say, but it's so true that if you, get, if you have a right balance, it really can enrich your faith. Uh, you know, it brings so much depth to it. Even just sort of your kind of confidence in the, the, some of the passages of the Bible. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. As we finish, I, I, I can't, I cannot have someone from Twenty Four Seven Prayer on the podcast and not ask you to pray. <laughs> I've never done prayer before, but I'll give it a go. Uh, <laughs> um, sure. I, I wonder if you just be able to pray for peace. Yeah, for those who are listening. Okay, I'd love absolutely. That. Okay, no problems. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you who are the king of the universe and the creator of everything care so much for each and every one of us wherever we are in the world whatever our situation whatever we're going through and it's so easy to say that you meet us where we are but it's so true father i pray that you meet all of us anyone who's listening us guys here where we are and show us your peace that we can participate in. God, we thank you for the perfect model, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for your perfect union and the perfect peace that you invite us to participate in, not just imitate, but participate in. Father, give us open hearts to receive your peace that we may have hearts that are open to the perfecting grace of the Holy Spirit. And thank you that this is a gift to us. Amen. Amen. Danny, thank you for being with me and having this conversation. It's been great to, to talk, find out more about what you're doing and, and how theology is interacting with that really appreciate you taking the time being an absolute pleasure peace be with you <laughs> wow thank you danny for giving us some great insights into what your ministry is like in our next episode we'll hear from the brilliant chris westhoff who has developed a course called reframing the prophetic through a study of the prophetic throughout the whole Bible, Chris has come to a really deep understanding of how we can observe the characters in Scripture as they operate prophetically. Don't miss it! If you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our guests here on Theodisc, why not send us an email at 
podcast at wtctheology.org.uk. We would really love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of Theodisc. Join us for episode 11 with Chris Westhoff as we seek to be more prophetic. Bye for now.